Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. This is May, so this is the Quarren Queen Takeover. And I'm super excited to share with you that this episode is with Kala Gare, who is in the Australian cast of Six. And this is the first of several Australian cast that I am going to interview here for the takeover. And it's my very first Aussie that I've ever had on the podcast. She's an up-and-coming performer, singer in her own right in that region. And it was actually kind of, it's kind of fun because being the first Aussie that I've interviewed, we got into a lot of the differences between the New York scene and the the West End scene and the Sydney, you know, Australia scene. And I mean, of course there are, there are cultural and regional differences, but it was just really, really neat what she had to say. And we, we dove so far into a little bit of the science of music and vibration and what you get out of performing. And oh my God, Kala, thank you for such an enlightening and fun conversation. Kala, you are amazing. And please find me when you come to New York because we got to go out for a drink. Anyway, (laughs) before we get into this, everybody, please follow me online at theater underscore podcast and find me online at the theaterpodcast.com. The video, as always, of this Corn Queen takeover, the videos are available at ttp.fm slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Leave a rating and a review. Let me know what you like about the podcast. I want to read those ratings. And now, everybody, please enjoy this episode with Kala Gare. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Listen up, let me tell you a story. We know you know our names and our fame and our faces. Know all about the glories and the disgraces. My guest today is a singer, actor, musician, and songwriter based out of Melbourne, Australia, with stage credits such as Thoroughly Modern Millie, Rent, Twelfth Night, and even Anastasia Steele in Fifty Shades. She is also a classically trained musician with musical direction credits and is the lead singer of a rapidly emerging band called Legacy. She's currently Anne Budlin in the Australian cast of Six and my very first Aussie on the podcast, Kala, <laughs> Kala Gare. Welcome to the Theatre Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I didn't realize I was first. Yes, you are, you are Aussie number one. 
Oh, they are, there's going to be so many. You're going to be flooded with Australians. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Well, that's what that's what I really want to get into in this in this conversation is like you know how much of of New York is is like influential of of Australia. I mean, like there's some famous ones in the states that we've got um, you know film actors like Nicole Kidman, of course, and uh, what's his name Thor. I'm blanking on his name right now. Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, you know muscles, muscles McGee. Um, <laughs> Right, so I know him very well. Because yeah, like all, all Americans know each other, all Australians know each other, right? Uh, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of like there's a couple of people that get out of that, but like I guess, well, okay. Before we get into that, where I normally start on the podcast is taking back to your childhood and like, so where did you where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? Well, um, childhood. Well, I lived in Melbourne. Have lived in Melbourne whole time. And I grew up in a very musical family. So I have uh, both my parents are opera singers and they actually met at the university doing an opera night course where I I then trained in musical theatre, which is a very cute little... (laughs) They are... Yeah, they harboured like pretty much all of the love and um, excitement for music that I have because it was just everywhere growing up. Yeah. Are you an only uh, child? No, I have a younger sister. Is she in um, music too? Yeah, she yeah. is. Or oh, and uh, human rights. She's on her way to being a big old lawyer. So she's oh well, music and singing or music and lawyering. <laughs> uh, I guess you know, there's I think Legally Blonde was made about that. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Very- very intelligent young lady is my sister. So was there any sort of like influential moment when when you really decided you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do and this is where, you know, like you're a classically trained uh, a singer mm-hmm. when you, in classical piano too you can play. So like where, where did the decision come from to go down that path? Yeah, um, I don't, I, do, I think because it was a constant uh, evolution of just having music around, there wasn't a defining moment where I was like, that's what I want to do. I just, I also, my memory is shot. I might've had that moment and it's just <laughs> gone, but I do remember just always loving watching performances and watching live theater and, um, hearing people sing and tell stories and in that way. And I think it was later as I figured more out about what the power of theatre actually is, that that's when it really honed in that this is absolutely where I'm meant to be, what I'm meant to be doing, and what a journey it all is. Right. Yeah, the 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 the, the, the journey, I mean, well, take, taking you on a journey, though, like, where were you coming mm-hmm. from? Was it was it looking for a, a family or looking for a home? Like, I found my belonging in, in theatre because it was like a bunch of other kids that didn't know where they wanted to go ended up getting together and that's where they belonged. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And absolutely, theatre is a big home for so many people and and a big family. I love that. That's really beautiful. I Yes, I think to a degree and meeting people, our music program at high school was good, but Unfortunately, there were um, higher powers in the system that didn't necessarily think of it as a career move. So it was cut in certain budget places. But 
then when we had the school musical, that was a place for, I also went to a Catholic girls school. So we got to meet with the boys who were also interested in that and figure out that, oh, there are other people who are also as into this as I am. Um, well, what are you talking about? The coming into it, where did I come into it from? I think the, I really, as all of us are, that drive to get into somebody else's shoes and portray that story. And once we're, that moment when you're in there and there's just, you're not, you you are a part of something entirely separate, but also all to do with us and so powerful and otherworldly that that influence and power that theatre has in performing to change people's um, emotions, to inspire, uh, coming from it from that perspective of how we can move and with the, with the music and movement and, yeah, the I think the, the power was... <laughs> The not power to be powerful, but the actual magic. Magic is a good word. Yeah, it's the 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 ability to command an audience and take them on an emotional journey. I yeah. I, I am with you one hundred percent. I love that. Just being able to be somebody like you're you're given a script and you develop a character, and if even like. Everybody puts on this great persona and on social media now everyone's just like, here's all my happy times. And then, you know, inside everyone is looking for long, looking to be found. And look, you know, dear Evan Hansen, there you go. You will be found. Um, so looking to be found, looking to identi- be identified, looking to be heard. And so you become this other person, this other creature on stage that then allows you to empathize with others, gets you empathy from others. And it is safe, right? You, be- safe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Be- yeah. So safe. And also the, the, the minds that are out there writing, then the brilliant minds that have been of just this incredible material that um, as an actor, I feel like I'm just a vessel for something else being on that stage. And um, I mean, I mean, yeah, just that. And the the emotions that come out of, and that you can, uh, oh, there's a word for it. It's like micro something, 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 something. When you're properly in or an experience where it's matched the audience and the actor on the stage and meeting in the middle and that, like, it's something primal. It's something th- where the audience maybe cannot control and they're, they're, they're with you there. That's very special. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of love chemicals. Like, chemically speaking, uh, you know, the, all, all the love chemicals in your brain, the oxytocin and the serotonin and the dopamine and all this stuff. Like there are, there are things that happen when you are watching people go on an emotional journey that can only happen in your brain when you're in the moment. And it's like, it, it, you can't, like you can imagine how you're going to act, but you can't train for that unless you're actually there. It's like, you can't train to have empathy for somebody until you, unless you've been through those situations. Right. So I, I, Totally understand, yeah, I guess, like, why you would want to be on one side of it and why the audience, you know, why there are such passionate, passionate people who want to to see it over and over and over again and, like, know every word of something. And there's something that speaks to people. Like, the the prom is a story of of underrepresentation and not being seen. And, and again, we mentioned Dear Van Hansen. And, 
you know, and I think this is actually a good transition to talk about six. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even though it's like the <laughs> Toby and Lucy, the writers kind of like took their first uh, inspiration from a Beyonce concert, right? Yeah. You know, that was um, our first rehearsal as well, watching that concert. <laughs> oh, was it really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. So like it's, it's a, it's about female empowerment. It's about telling a story, a six stories that are mm-hmm. that don't get heard. I mean, we hear a little bit of a, about Anne Boleyn, every, you know, here yeah. and there, but like the rest, I didn't even know he had six wives, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and I mean, so for you, like, mm. I guess, well, we skipped over your career stuff. We'll we'll come back to that because <laughs> because I want to I want to talk about like. New York Broadway versus Australian or Aussie. Like, is there, a, okay, I'll ask that question real fast. Is there like a, a version of like London's West End or New York's Broadway in Sydney or on in Melbourne? I don't necessarily think we have like a section that is like the street or the that area, but we do have in Melbourne, in the CBD, there's um, What's a the CBD? Lot, like, CBD is just the city central. So uh, the Melbourne city is in the skyscraper area. I don't know what it's <laughs> or actually. Downtown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's um, like, a, like a smaller New York. Well, it's just small. <laughs> and it's, there's the art center and then you travel maybe like two minutes and then you're in the city central and there's kind of like a box um, uh, not a not a block, a few blocks, and there's about three or four theatres, and that's kind of the central in Melbourne. In Sydney, um, there's the Opera House, but then there's a few other theatres nearby, but we don't have that, like, Broadway and that strip in West End, and but the theatres are there. <laughs> well, how, how big, like, how... Is, how big is the scene, is the theater scene, like, in Australia in general? Like, in the U.S., you know, you've got New York theater and, and TV, coming up with TV and film and stuff on the East Coast, and then, like, L.A. and the West Coast is all like, that's where the, if you're going to shoot a movie, or at least that's what it was, right? I believe this is coming from somebody who has only worked in Australia, but I think it's big. It's, it feels big in it, but I, I do reckon if, um, like, when I went to New York and watched, it was like, oh, but this is, this is the world of it. In Australia, it's it's it is there, and in Sydney, um, I think for our for our continent, it's big and it's a very um, functioning uh, happening. We're getting we actually there's like uh, especially now because of COVID, a lot of I think more attention is being put on new stuff to bring over once this is over. But I also am in no place to talk about like the CEO of Australian theater. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, oh gosh, there's so much I want to, I want to ask you about. So let's go back to six, the fandom. When like, did you know what you were auditioning for? Be, wh- like the, the, the phenomenon that it was before you were auditioning and what it was going to be. I, I, mm, that's a good question. I, I remember like, watching especially at the very beginning and when they performed at the Olivier's and seeing um that kind of grandeur and this pop concert-esque like following on on the socials I was very much doing that and then when the auditions came out it was ooh, this could be cool but I do not in any way think I had like crossed the line in my mind of uh what it would be like 
if you were in actually in that world. And yeah, it was a very, just a, it was like a, it was a whole new world, a whole new experience. And the whole like fan thing, it's so, it's beautiful, but it's also a bit scary, but it's, I was them. That was me. <laughs> I was a very big fangirl for quite a lot, still am, of my career. And being like in, I mean, in a very small portion and being on the other side of that was, is bizarre, but also very beautiful that people um, feel that passionately about something. Well, I think it's kind of fun because you guys, the, the cast, the Aussie cast just, just closed uh, back in January, right? You closed the City Opera House. Uh, yeah, my. On March, yeah, you open in, yeah. So, like, yeah. playing playing at the Sydney Opera House, performing at the Sydney Opera House, you know, like that's that's got to be something cool in and of itself, right? So you're 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 doing this rock concert, yeah. You know, I ca- I call it the Broadway show, right? It's a major musical in the fr- in Sydney for you know I don't know how how many how many seats does it have? In the so we were in the studio because six is quite well suited to an intimate theater, mm-hmm. and there was. Oh God, I might get this wrong, but I'm going to say no more than 200, 300 seats, potentially less. I didn't know it had multiple theaters. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. So there's big Jones Sutherland Theater, and that's the big one. And that's, I'm pretty sure that's where Lizzo performed, which Lizzo, no, we just missed Lizzo, but we were there for when Solange was there. And in. (laughs) Room. You can see everyone um, like working on the screens, and we're all <laughs> watching Solange. <laughs> but yeah, there's a few theaters because there's a Shakespeare theater as well. I think there's aside from the studio. I'm trying to remember where the screens were because we didn't get to go into all of them. I think there might be like three, two or three more aside from Joan and the studio. And so then, so what was what was coming up? You have Melbourne, Adelaide, and Wellington. That was all that have all been postponed. Yes. So what's happening with those? Do you you know? No, we, the producers have been lovely and been in touch, but unfortunately there's just no, I don't know what will happen with that. I hope that, I hope that it is able to come back because it's had a run and it's got momentum behind it. And it's a very easy show to put up um, technically in terms of sets and lighting but um, yeah, so fingers crossed on that front. But unfortunately, I don't know. Man, that yeah, that stinks because it, it seems like this was one of four big destinations, and and, and the tidal wave was just starting to to crest, yeah. you know. But I think yeah. Broadway will come back, and I think it's going to be a couple months because restaurants have to open first, and transportation has to feel good, and then tourists have to come, and you know, it's it's a cycle. So it's yeah. going to take some time, but when it does, like six will come back. I think it's it's too much of a phenomenon not to being you know the second most cast album streamed other than Hamilton, and it's not even a Broadway cast yet, right? Yeah. So, like it, the the fandom that I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about it? That what do you think it is about the show that people are 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 craving so much that identify with or enjoy? Like. Why stream it hundreds of millions of times? (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, there's a plethora of reasons. And doing doing the show and meeting Lucy, we didn't get to meet Toby, but meeting Lucy and um, slowly working on it, it was like not, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a comparison. Like with a Sondheim, when you 
are just, there's always something to unpack and there's always something new. And when you revisit it again, you're like, oh, wow, I needed to have gone through this to then understand that. Blah, blah, blah. But that, sort of aside, this six taught me and I was, taught me about standing in your own power as well as standing with other people in their own power and mm. how we can do that and not in any way have to be a person. Like you can live as a single unit and live together as single units and no needing to cut each other down, which is the, the whole competition aspect of the show. And, and that cleverness of the writing, which when, when I first heard the show, I I was I was just quite happy with it. Like I thought, cool songs, they're catchy. But then as a writer myself, to writing a catchy song is hard, mm-hmm. let alone writing a song that just stays in your brain that much, lyrically is so clever and witty and says exactly what it wants to say in the most pu- say in the most pure form. Like there's no it doesn't have to go round in fancy circles. It's just like he wanted me, obviously, like bam. And it's it's now it's very current, it's cheeky, and it's very unapologetic, which I think and it it just goes through so many styles as well. So you really get, you know, if you want to rock out or if you want to be a soulful pop princess, it just gives you everything. I really love it. <laughs> the, the the I actually saw the final preview the night before Broadway shut down. So I was at the show March 11th. March 12th. Wow. I'm getting my days mixed up now. It was whatever that Wednesday was and Thursday was supposed to be opening. And mm-hmm. and when I was watching the show, I, I, I was watching all of the girls um, interact with each other when they were backing up the lead singer. Like whoever mm-hmm. whoever solo was. Because everyone seemed to be having so much fun yeah. interacting with each other when they weren't in the spotlight, right? And yeah. so is that yeah. is that a is that a show thing? Like was that just a Broadway thing? Are you like you and your your cast? Are you guys all like super tight like this? Well, it's it's kind of brilliantly, again, because it's only six people, it's um so intimate in that sense. And I don't know, I it's, and this is down to excellent casting as well, especially I, I feel like worldwide, but I can absolutely speak for the Australian cast. We are all the, oh, beautiful, beautiful women. And there's, yeah, that play on that stage, it's, there's something about that interaction with the audience as well that creates this new, you're constantly dealing with stimulus, but also you've got mates all around you and on stage with you, you're dressed in this fierce costume. The lights are crazy. Music is pumping. It's 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 hard to not have a very fun time on that stage because you're allowed to. It's written in, and like we have, you know, the scenes are all little quippy bits, but so much of it is left to this like atmosphere that is created by this show. That's just like <laughs> it's a concert. It's a it's a rock. Yeah. It's a pop concert. Exactly. Exactly. Psycho. Yeah, it's (laughs) it seems it seems like so much fun. And you know, for for a show like I, you know, Hamilton is Hamilton's fun. It's got some serious moments. There are shows that like just go to a place 
every mm-hmm. night. And 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 I I talked about this with Elizabeth Stanley from Jagged Little Pill too. Like I, I don't know if you know anything about the show at all, but her her like it it deals with it 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 deals with white privilege and sexual assault and and substance abuse and it's a heavy show like yeah. it's all just the things that people need to start talking about like all in this mm-hmm. two and a half hour musical and cool. and you know we talked to her like how do you you know you're this you're this victim you know your character's been raped and your daughter it happens to her and then your I mean the neighbor's daughter and then the son is accused of you know like I'm, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it but um it's a heavy show and I'm like how do you get how do you go there eight times a week and come back and be a normal person. And, and you know, Dear Evan Hansen too, like, you know, we were just hearing Andrew Barth Feldman talk about, uh, mm. you know, he and, and Michael Park, like, would would goof off backstage. Like, you got to keep it light. Keep, yeah. But then, like, you guys, <laughs> you get to take all of that fun and bring it onto mm-hmm. the stage and show yeah. it and break the fourth wall because you are interacting with the audience. Hugely, hugely. And it seems like it seems like it just seems like so much fun. Like the feedback yeah. are you are you getting feedback? I mean, you're saying you're like you're getting used to being in the spotlight now a little bit. You're on the other side of of being a fan and following things now. So you have people following you. Is are are you getting like feedback that was unexpected or are you getting stories that you didn't expect to hear? Um, I will Mm, yes and no. Like there's, uh, there are some, some beautiful uh, stories of six really helped me find my voice and thank you for um, your portrayal of Berlin and thank you for um, all of, I had so much fun and those sorts of uh, things when you get that back, that's like a wow, especially when they're specific. Um, that's a big like, whoa, this is really cool. I, those yeah, those sorts of I haven't had too many moments that like that, but the ones that are there that yeah, they're very special. Is there um, stage? I'm, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, 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 no. I, were you about to talk stage door? Oh yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> was going to ask about like stage dooring if it's yeah. the same for is it like culturally the same in Australia as it is in New York? Because like stage door has now become part of the ticket price. You just kind of yeah. expect to meet the cast afterwards. Which, as a fan, so cool. As a performer, uh, <laughs> the um, not as much of a cultural thing. However, on six, we had to kind of adhere to the fact that it was kind of written in the ticket price, and that's what they expected to do. Like we had the stage door for the Sydney Opera House is the stage door for every theatre, so you'd have heaps of different performers walking out, but because it wasn't a huge cultural thing, we didn't really have anything set up in terms of like bollards or any structural thing outside and leaving the opera house, you just walk out and then you're there in public Mm -hmm. and just in where anyone can go to, which I guess is the same as on the street in the theater. But (laughs) (laughs) it was a very bizarre, like just coming out, especially having not been in, having to deal with fans in this way before um, and people coming into your personal space and being very excited but sometimes very overwhelming. It was a um, really a big kind of adjustment to 
still be on and still be present after the show. And um, what, I, what I wanted to touch on was the fun um, is excellent in there, but Six is one of the shows that it's like it's written in that you have to be at energy 100%. Like without it, it's kind of um, it's very obvious because there's only six of you and the lights and the glitter and everything is on. If you're not, you can really tell. So the act that there was a challenge in a different way of maintaining that energy nine shows a week and keeping that, um, yeah, a, a constant thing, which then meant when we would come <sighs> off stage and go to the stage door, it was zombies, especially on our ninth show. And that whole balance of these people who have paid a lot of money to come and see this show and who are who have waited for so long sometimes there and you're just like a sweaty 75 minutes of cardio leaving the building kind of just (laughs) (laughs) it's a fun it's a it was a funny like whoa okay gotta figure out what world this is now Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So you said nine shows a week. Is that for six or is that standard Australian show schedule? It's becoming more standard um, as it goes on. Oof. Yeah. Oof. That's, <laughs> yeah. Like eight, I thought eight was hard. Like, you know, my friends yeah. on Broadway are like, God, two show day, man. It's a Saturday. No, like, like so. When do you when do you do the second? When do you do the the ninth show? Have two show days: Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it was so okay. We'd go a six forty five and an eight pm Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday was a three pm and a six pm. Putting a three pm matinee as your fifth show on a six day on a three day weekend was the most painful. <laughs> Because that's when we had the matinee crowd, and that's when we like needed all the help we could get. Trying to be so energetic, and it's just like hitting the wall. But miracles happen on Sundays, especially when you're doing six shows. We'd somehow, somehow just. Oh, man. um, Kissed us. That, oh, that is, that's horrible. Like, yeah, we do, you know. Normal, normally here we do like two Wednesdays, two Saturdays, and then you've got your one on Sunday and you're done. But to put five shows or three double shows in a three double show days in a row seems just like in like torture. God, yeah, especially by the by the end of yeah Sunday, you just want to go home and just like 
Just take a yep. bath and chug some <laughs> wine and go to sleep for a day. Well, that was the other thing with six is I was, because we were in Sydney, I'm based in Melbourne. I really had the opportunity to pretty much focus entirely all of my energy to it because I didn't have much connection in Sydney. And I think that that was a godsend because I literally needed to give it all of my time and energy. With the nine shows, it was such a good learning thing of how to, like six taught me so much about sustenance because I really, because it's so vocally demanding, physically demanding, and just the actual energy spending, I would go home from the theatre, the next morning I'd be preparing, do the show, come home, recover, repair, do the show, and that was kind of life up until maybe like the last two weeks where then during the days I was like, maybe I can start. It's becoming a bit more of a routine now. Yeah. Challenges in its in its own way. Right. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I gosh, I, my listeners are so tired of hearing me say this probably, but I've said like Broadway performers are are the Olympians of theater. They, yes, they, please. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. The, the best of the best have to be athletes. Even, yeah. even if you have a, a track where you just, you just, plant and bark, then you're still <laughs> like vocally demanding, you know, vocal injury, the, the stigma is kind of, it's kind of being destigmatized now. There's been a lot happening locally on Twitter. Like Casey Levy came out and Alex, Alex Brightman, of course, like he's talking about um, his voice for Beetlejuice and how he had to make that comfortable. So he doesn't get in, have injuries. And there are so many people that you would think of um, like George Salazar, actually, I was talking to him once from, you know, from uh, Be More Chill. And it was, he was like, yeah, I hemorrhaged during a preview and I thought my career was over. And oh, goodness, like you have to, I mean, e- even Olympic athletes pull muscles, right? So you have to be conditioned yeah. either vocally and, and cardiovascularly, whatever it is. But yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. It's hard. It's hard and stuff. You got to take care of yourself. It's yeah. It's a it's a lifestyle that everybody wants, and then they get it and they're like, oh crap. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, really? Is <laughs> this good? <laughs> I think I think I'm good. I think this is what I want. Yeah, okay, get on yeah. stage, do it again. Yeah, uh, but it, it was interesting to me for you, you specifically, um, because I, I I was looking through your Instagram. And you posted a lot of videos of like, in, or in, in your album too, that you've got uh, two two EPs out, right? Um, uh, just one, just working one. on two. Working on a second, okay. Yes, yeah, so you've got music. I was listening to it and it's like, it's it's slow and it's jazzy and it's very, it's very sultry for lack of oh. kind of a better word. I interpret it as being kind of sultry. And, and then even um, like a lot of the stuff I was watching on Instagram was still not in the style of six, was not pop. <laughs> And yeah, so I guess, like, did you audition? I mean, have you always been able to sing multiple styles, or were you training for something specifically, like the jazz and the classical and the and whatnot, or is it all just kind of technique? Yeah, well, I, um, I guess to answer this, I have to go. Well, my mom uh, is a singing teacher. So I already lucky. had a, yeah, a real, real advantage and very lucky there. She, from like the womb, was singing to me and as a baby, like, la, 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 at two months old. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> 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 like just constantly. And um, 
and I think that idea of pitch and um, note relationships and that all was their very early age. And I um, like began playing piano from a young age as well. And so the kind of relationship of music was there, which meant that when I began singing, I didn't have to worry about like pitch and um, that sort, those sorts of technical elements. They were kind of naturally there. And I learned in terms of technical singing legit first. Um, well, yeah, that sort of was where I lent and was trained like not I'm not not in a um in the way like if you went to school and learned that it was a very relaxed thing which I think also led to a love of singing because it wasn't so uh what's the word I'm looking for like Regimented. rigid yeah yeah I had uh, there was a period where it did have to be and my mum was my teacher and that was really hard especially as a teenager that was big times, but we learned, <laughs> we, we got there. <laughs> but I always had a love of singing and a love of producing sound and playing with that. And as I continued with theatre, I, at uni, really developed belting and the um, louder sounds. And I would love that. And a lot of my technical issues came from uh, loving the sound, but not really being able to do it, but just doing it anyway. And now having to figure out how to actually do it with ease and get that all there. But I c- always could cross, I, cross training was a big thing. So the legit and then going on the other scale and doing a rock song. And I loved practicing both of those. But when I was singing for myself, and what I enjoyed singing, it was more of soulful and more um, that organic, slower sound, which um, I've never thought of before in that way. But now you've pointed that out that, yeah, that's a lot of my writing as well is that sort of slower stuff. Soulful. I have no idea what. Soulful, yeah, that, that's a better word than sultry. Uh, yeah, soul, soulful, it's, it seems to me to be very, very introspective, expressive. Uh, what I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to say, like, it, you can tell when I'm listening to your music, I can tell that it comes from you, and it's not like I was. I was told to sit down and write a song right now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's very nice. But I, I, as on that, like, sit down and write a song. I yeah, that's that's something I come. I love to talk about in with writing. Is the way I love to write is it's quite a open experience and usually when I try to sit down and write something with the intention of writing something the work that comes out is never as fluid and um nice (laughs) nice is such a if you um did I explain that in any way that when you sit down you're like all right I'm gonna write a song it doesn't come out authentic yes that's exactly right yeah well, in my experience thus far. Yes, for you. What what do you I mean, what do you think about? What what do you put into your songs that you can't express in other ways? Like that has to be in song form. Oh. Um, oh, I've never thought about it like that either. I did make a connection that I think um that it's a sort of a therapy in the sense of an emotion that is there and 
comes out in the form of a song, but that's also a way of clearing that from myself. Uh, but yeah, what, uh, I'm not entirely sure how to answer that. That is so profound. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm, 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 I'll give you something to go to go write about. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. come. Like, you'll see, like the next album. This was uh, inspired by Alan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. There's so many, so many people. There are a lot of people that that I like, um, and that's the kind of music that I really that I like to listen to. It's it's that I feel like, and maybe I'm jumping around in my head. Gosh, yeah. I, what I was gonna say was that this the music I like to listen to. It's that I, I can feel like it's something that authentically came from the person who sat down to write it and it's not it's not made by a machine like i don't like the 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 pop uh factory that's producing content and some and which is funny and ironic because i like six six is pop <laughs> so i'm not dissing on the pop genre but i mean mm. i don't know what i'm trying to say it's i think i know i know what you're trying to say because i think there's a there is a difference you can stylistically have a pop song, but it still um, has the authenticness and the honesty in it. Yeah, it, it could still have that um, dirty beat, but it, there's some there's something in it, and that's the that's the part about music that is so uh, that I am enchanted by. In like, you, you can't really explain it, and you don't really know. I don't really have the words to describe that, but there's just something that you connect with and that is floating around that can be transported by notes and a melody and harmony and a really cool person that I've just like put all my energy to is Jacob Collier. Mm. And yeah, the way he speaks about it is beautiful. Do you know much of Jacob Collier? Not much. No, no. I've heard his stuff. Yeah. If you want to, like to dive into a <laughs> musical wonderland. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, we're kind of going off the rails and I love it and it's fine. But I, <laughs> my, my background being in like choral music and boys choirs and things, I'm, I, I love it. I love tight harmonies and I love mm -hmm. harmony, harmony. Maybe that's what it is. That's part of why I like six because it's six <laughs> women singing together, six people. And, and, like the soloist stuff, often I don't get into because I I want to hear, I want to feel the overtones building on each other. Because when you have multiple voices like that, then they are like when you look at a waveform uh, on a on a what's it called the histograph? What am I thinking of? You know where you can see a waveform, um, oh, yeah. an audio waveform. Like you you can see like you've got your. Uh, you've got your primary note, and then you've got the fifth and the third and the octave that are that are there, and you could barely hear them. And when you add them up in multiple voices, then you you can start hearing the other things clearly, even though no one's singing it. And did you know about wow. this? No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in a room full of a hundred guys. <laughs> That's how all my stories start. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I was in a room, it was, in, we were in a, a room, I was in a chorus, it was like some all-state chorus in high school or something, and we were in a room, and it was a hundred of us or so, and it was, and the teacher was explaining this to us, the the conductor, and he said, you know, everyone just sing this note, he's like, Duh, you know, uh, and everyone sang this note, and 
the idea was that we had to sing it long enough so that the the wave, all of our voices, the waveforms would come off the walls and bounce back. And, and it was bouncing back and forth off the room because it was echoing. And if you were to look at, um, you know, the wave, the, the, we'll call it, I think it's a histograph. I'm pretty sure that's what I'm trying to say is, you know, we're singing the, the, uh, we're singing the, the note and it's the biggest peak in the, in the waveform. And then the fifth, you started hearing the fifth, like as, as if someone was singing harmony, like clear as day, you could, you could just hear it. And all of us were like, are you singing that? Are you singing that? We were all looking at each other and we were like, no, I'm not singing that. Are you singing that? And then he's like, keep going, keep going. You'll start hearing the third because it had to, it had to build on each other. It's like, you know, when two waves come into each other in the ocean, they'll, they yeah. get, they get bigger, they amplify each other. So it's the same thing with audio and in the physics side of audio and singing is, is you can hear the, the fifths and the thirds, the harmonies. And it's anyway, I've digressed a lot, but to, that's why I like, choral voices because without doing it on purpose you're building the overtones without without really doing it like specifically and it just sounds it's a richer tone it's a fuller tone wow so that's my rant (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) i really this that like you would vibe with jacob collier (laughs) (laughs) tell me give me a call I'm happy to shower. Yeah. <laughs> if I had his number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the physics behind singing is always has always been fascinating. I mean, I'm a nerd in that way anyway. So Yeah, I love, love yeah, that. The, the physics behind singing. I'm to, yeah. I'm trying to learn more about um the the science behind harmony, especially mm-hmm. um especially like I can hear, I can hear so much, but my skill, especially with the piano, like what I can hear and my ear is up here and my piano skill is like down here. And I want to bring it up so I can be that person that can sit at the piano and be like, I hear this cool chord, but I don't have that skill. And learning about literally, I was literally just watching a video on the major triad and then building that up and layering chords on top of each other and how, when you have a tension to resolve, but it can blah, 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 everything. That's really exciting that you just spoke about. <laughs> do you do you feel like it hurts your body when a when a chord is not resolved? Like yes. at, the, at the end of a song. Yeah. I've yeah. been known to just sneakily jump to the piano and be like, resolve. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't leave it like that. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, oh God, that's just a tease. It's it's painful. It's it's almost yeah. physically painful just to not to resolve a, a suspension. It's like, oh yeah. God. And <laughs> oh geez, I missed I missed my calling. I know nothing about music theory. I just cite I can do mute I can do beats. Be, I can do like the rhythm because like it's math and I'm okay. I'm I'm good at math, but like when it, when it came to theory, I've never learned theory. I'm always like, every good boy deserves fudge. Okay, f f. Okay, that's a that's fudge. A, that's on a fl- I love that. What do you guys say? Fruit. Fruit. Oh, it's fudge. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're all about obesity here. Yeah, every every good boy deserves fudge. <laughs> Whoa! I love that. Every good boy deserves fudge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fudge, fruit, food. Every good boy deserves footies. I don't know. <laughs> Slippers. Um, yeah, I I would love to just sit down and I, I like to plunk down chords on the piano and mm. just and to see what feels good because I don't yeah. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm playing. I just like, you know, hear it. And I think ear is so important. Ear is make is half of it, if not more than half of it. 
that's, yeah, that's where I'm at as well with um, just playing notes and being like, ooh, this sounds cool. But I'd love that knowledge to be like, okay, this sounds cool because I'm playing these notes and they would sound cooler than to resolve in this way and that sort of theory behind it. But that, the idea, even like how you just said maths is a, for beats, I love that music can be like that as well, that it can be that technical and cold and then also like undescribable and philosophic and it's just, it's everything. What comes first for you? Is it, is it the, the lyrics, the, the music or the need to have self-therapy? <laughs> um, hmm. Well, I with I like to um, the way I describe how I write as well is uh, and this is sort of what I mean about that openness is that I I feel as though I am a vessel for th- this song that has been written already and I'm just it's coming from somewhere else and I like I've, uh, there's been experiences where I will um, be fine having a great day and then be filled with this sadness and then I call it I like to think of it as birthing a song and then I'm okay afterwards as again like it's that sadness wasn't mine but it was it's then transformed into a song and I that way of looking at it I hear melody and lyrics together though the melody I would say is a bit more solid because sometimes the lyric like I'll go up on the internet and be like what rhymes with aim and that's that's <laughs> So that the they the lyric isn't as set in stone, and the melody is also fluid. But I, when I'm chucking voice memo on and just singing into my phone, it's lyric and melody together. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, that's interesting to me. I've I've sat I sat down before and tried to write songs like mm. way when I was younger, and, and I I don't know I don't have any music in my head. When I sit down to write, like I I will have sometimes lyrics in my head but no music and then I'll, I'll finish a verse and I'm like I have no idea what to do with this mm. and and so sometimes I, like I'll, I'll think of some rhymes and you know I again being nerdy I did I did improv in college um <laughs> so I can think of things that rhyme with other things and that's not a problem I just have no idea how to make it sound good and <laughs> so like you know coming back and listening to to uh, the science behind music. I was going to ask you if you have watched, um, if you have explained, have you ever watched Explained on Netflix, that show? Mm-mm. So there's, a, there's an original that they have called Explained, and it's just half an hour episodes explaining a different subject. Like one is cricket, one is cannabis, one is the wealth gap, one, you know, there are other things. And one of the most wow. interesting episodes was music, music explained. And like, uh, humans as a species, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen this, so I'm probably getting this wrong, but I think even primates, or maybe it's apes versus monkeys, I don't know, one of the two, humans as a species I think are one of the only, the only species that, that can predict rhythm and melody. So Whoa! You, so you can get, like birds, birds can repeat a melody, like... But if you change the key, they have to relearn the whole thing. It's a completely new song to them. And so, and, and most animals, most species in general, cannot predict rhythm. They can't, like, they can repeat, dun, 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 but they can't, like, if you don't, dun, 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 they, they just, 
they can't do the, the syncopation or whatever it is. And like mm-hmm. that's a fascinating. You would really enjoy it. It's a fascinating episode that's about good. like the brain science of music and like some people have strokes and they can't talk but they can sing. What that's all yeah. about. Yeah. 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 I will be watching that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's what? really incredible. So what interesting, like, uh, interesting test to have done. Like the, that would be really cool to be that. Scientists being like, all right, let's go play some music for some animals, Faye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they had like all these monkeys and different types of birds, and you know, the, these birds that are mimicking things. They're they don't know they don't know that it's music. Like it doesn't register as music. It's just mimicking a sound. And so the ability to register as a note, their brain cannot do that. Yeah. Wow. I get my mind goes to like, you know, history and that we've been brought up with all of this in a, and like the culturalness that the that music has and all those roots and yeah the idea of wow that that is a defining element of a human being that's really cool I will yeah. definitely be watching that yeah dancing and music goes back you know thousands of years I mean you got yeah anyway I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm nerding out so well we'll end up We'll wrap right. up wrap up this episode here with the three standard closing questions that I ask everybody on the podcast. And the first one, very simply, is what motivates you? Very simply. <laughs> very simply asked. Very com- <laughs> complex in your answer. Um, what mo- motivates me to uh, perform, to live, to, Interpre- <laughs> to live? Interpret however you want. Um. What motivates me? Wow. Um, whew. I I would like I'll answer what motivates me to perform. And I I think what we touched on at the beginning of that um, idea of the family that theater has and the family that theater welcomes you to and the um, as an audience member and as a performer and as everybody else that is involved in the world and the uh, the ability to transport to another plane and to raise um, awareness of things but but that that moment and that um, energetic, a transaction between people, live, imperfect, flawed, brilliant people. Um, that's what motivates me. I love that. Okay, so the next question <laughs> is what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, okay. To, yeah, okay, well. Younger me, and then lots of younger people. Oh, okay. A big one that I learned that I wish I had learned sooner, and this was more to me in my teens during uni, and I think is very relevant to starting out, especially when you're learning and playing. The idea of trying as hard as you can to be kind of focused on your learning and to really not care about the what you look like and 
if it's wrong, I had a beautiful mentor um, say to me at the beginning, Carla, just fail, but fail gloriously. Where else can you fail but at uni and or drama school and where you're meant to be learning? And I lost a lot of my first year in trying to be right and trying to like be whatever I thought was right or be liked or all of those wonderful teenage things. Um, but yeah, I would just say in terms of learning to really give yourself the time and allow yourself to be whatever you need to be in that moment to, and lean into the uncomfort because on the other side of that is something that you never would have got if you hadn't. Lean into the uncomfort. I love that. That's your, that's your new quote right there. <coughs> okay. So, you, so the final question here, the hardest one, if you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you could see it as many times as you want, what would you see? I would see Six the Musical. <laughs> Which production? Oh, what? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All of them in <laughs> rep. One screen, because <laughs> we'll be here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where can we connect with you online? Oh, um, Instagram is probably the best one. Is that, I don't even know what my handle is. <laughs> K.Gare, right? K.Gare? Yeah. yeah. That sounds right. K.Gare. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the episode notes, so you can find it there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> So you could get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. Please show your support for the podcast at thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Please leave a rating, leave a review. And this is edited by Matthew Hendershot. And Kala, thank you. This has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed this chat. (laughs) Me too. This is awesome. And I wish you luck with all your new Australian uh, members. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.